Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 69, verses 1 through 5 and 30 through 36. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I've come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I'm weary with my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Many are those who would destroy me, my enemies who accuse me falsely. What I did not steal must I now restore. O God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. I'll praise the name of God with a song. I'll magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns or hoofs. Let the oppressed see it and be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy, and does not despise his own that are in bonds. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion, and rebuild the cities of Judah. And his servants shall live there and possess it. The children of his servants shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall live in it. Isaiah chapter 41, verses 14 through 20. Do not fear, you worm, Jacob, you insect, Israel. I will help you, says the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Now I will make of you a threshing sledge, sharp, new, and having teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and crush them. You shall make the cliffs like chaff. You shall winnow them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the tempest shall scatter them. Then you shall rejoice in the Lord, and the Holy One of Israel you shall glory. When the poor and needy seek shelter, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I'll open rivers on the bare heights, and the fountains in the midst of the valleys. I'll make the wilderness a pool of water, and the dry land springs of water. I'll put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I'll set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together, so that all may see and know, all may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God.
Good morning, and welcome to the first Wednesday after Epiphany. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Imesville, Maryland. This morning's readings come from Psalm 69, Isaiah 41, and John 1, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Um, and the the Isaiah reading is a bit alarming, but... Um, the reading from the Gospel of John is really interesting. I've actually been thinking about it lately as I write uh, God is a Grunt. And um, one of those things that made me think of soldiers is this Lamb of God thing. Um, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, John is the only one that I think refers to um, Jesus this way. And Throughout the what are called the Johannine, which is basically the letters attributed to John, um, the Johannine letters and the Book of Revelation, um, it pops up over and over and over again, especially in Revelation. Um, so the, John's Gospel, the letters, and Revelation have this um, theme of Jesus as the Lamb over and over and over again, and uh, it's spoken of as this slaughtered lamb, slain lamb uh, in Revelation, but in here in the Gospel of John, it's explicit that John sees Jesus as the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And there's a problem with that, and I'll get to that in a moment. But what's always kind of struck me with the lamb is that they're docile. They're easy to manage. Sheep are cute and cuddly. They're really poofy, and you can shear them for wool, maybe. Um, and they're generally, you know, fun creatures to have around. Um, and I think that's, um, that's that can be a problem insofar as it reinforces what I've called and what other people have called toxic positivity, where you're supposed to be bubbly and cute and cuddly um, and uh, when Jesus is made this thing, it makes, uh, it, among other things, it also kind of makes this false distinction between the God of the Old Testament, who is seen as angry and active and violent um, and, frankly, unpredictable, um, and then this, this peaceful, lamb-like Jesus. Um, Jesus, I don't think, and I can double-check, but he never refers to himself as a lamb. He refers to himself as a son of man, uh, you know, stuff like this, but not a lamb. And this is why there's a problem with it, not just the image that it reinforces that creates this expectation that Christians, in particular, as like, as opposed to Jews, I suppose, um, they're supposed to be nice and gentle and happy and very, you know, cuddly and cute. The problem with that is that there's no place in which a lamb is required of the sacrifices that Jews perform while the temple was still standing, and certainly not the one um, celebration in which um, our sins are atoned for called Yom Kippur. If you want to f follow along, um, Yom Kippur is talked about in Leviticus 16, just for the sake of double-checking my work, there's also a really important sacrifice in Exodus 12, the Passover. But the Passover, um, when you painted a horror show on the outside of your house, 
to avoid a horror show, horror show inside your house, that didn't have to be a lamb. It could be either a lamb or a goat, depending on probably the wealth or lack thereof of the family that, that lived at the house. And slaves, they were slaves, but they there was still a social status um, between them. And in Exodus 12, verse 27, it's very, very clear. I'm sorry, verse 5. It's very clear that it doesn't have to be a sheep, a baby sheep. It can be a baby goat, a kid, as long as it's without blemish, is young, and is a male. Those are the only things that are required of the Passover. So a lamb is like, mm, whatever. Sure, use a lamb, but the word in Hebrew is actually used something like herdling or calf. It's a young herd animal um, as distinguished from a bovine um, young animal. Then in Leviticus 16, the Yom Kippur ceremony, um, which we might you might have heard of as the scapegoat ritual, um, two goats, identical in every way, are selected. One, uh, according to casting lots, one is slaughtered for the Lord and the other, and for the people, and the other is laid hands upon, the sins of the community are confessed, and then transferred to the goat, and the goat is sent away. The, the goat escapes, um, according to William Tyndale's 1530 Bible. Um, and it is a, they're both goats, neither one of them are goats, and that's the only place where the sins of the community are taken away. So there's no lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. There is a goat of God that takes away the sins of the world. Um, and if we are talking about Passover, Jesus was killed on the Passover, and in that way, he may be the Lamb of God, but he may also be the goat of God. And I think that distinction is not insignificant because goats are far less predictable, pretty freaking ornery, and they might headbutt you if you get too close, and, they're, and if they're in the wrong mood. Um, and that distinction, I think, is, is good news for grunts because I know a whole lot more ornery, unpredictable, rather brutish soldiers and veterans than I do cute, cuddly, and puffy soldiers and veterans. And I think that's good news because you don't have to be docile. You don't have to keep your mouth closed. That's one of the prophecies in Isaiah, that like a, lamb, like a sheep before the shearer, um, he does not open his mouth or utter a sound. Um, and that that's true. Jesus, well, actually, that's not true. He opens his mouth and speaks something like seven times on the cross. Um, but he doesn't object. He doesn't, he never, in the midst of his trial before the Sanhedrin, before Herod, before Pilate, he never objects and says, I am innocent, this is wrong. He says, you said this stuff, um, and you you failed to prove it. Um, so he does open his mouth. And so if you belong to a community or if you feel as though the church expects you as a soldier or veteran to be cute and cuddly and have a smile on your face and be kind of bubbly and rainbows and sunshine, the good news is that that's horseshit. Um, Jesus is the goat of God, and he is the goat. He's the greatest of all time. Um, and so you can put all those you know, cutesy, annoying, uh, superficial shitty little, you know, expectations on a shelf and burn the whole house down because that's not that's not what Jesus is. John, at least in this way, got it a little wrong. There's no lamb that carries away the sins of the Lord, sins of the world, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that is a goat. And if we're talking about Passover, 
It doesn't have to be a lamb, and you don't have to be a lamb. You don't have to be docile. Um, I, I think it's difficult to claim that you that you should be a combatant, but you can be a combative non-combatant um, in terms of violence and, and stuff like that in military service. Um, so I, I, I don't know, I, I take some, uh, no small measure of comfort in knowing that I don't have to be, you know, cute and cuddly and sunshiny every day, um, that sometimes I am, and I like being that, um, but that isn't a requirement of our faith. That isn't a requirement of being a member of the body of Christ if, in fact, Christ is the goat of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, the, the imagery is important. Um, it only appears in John, uh, which should tell us that, you know, in terms of, like, how much, uh, you know, credence or centrality we should give it, um, it, it might be, it's certainly acceptable but it's not required um, that we that we see Jesus in this way that John does. Um, we sh- should see Jesus as Jesus presents himself, um, and as often as not, he's snarky, um, a little a little um, unpredictable. He can be angry. I'm sure there are other times other than the uh, cleansing the temple, um, and that's okay. That you can be too. You don't have to. Um, adhere to these expectations, uh, especially if they're unrealistic, um, that it's okay to be a goat um, if that's how, how you feel and who you are. You don't have to be, uh, you know, a sheep or a lamb or even a dove. The uh, the the Celts uh, back in the day, they didn't like seeing, and they didn't have doves where they were. They had wild geese, and wild geese, just like goats, are unpredictable, they might bite you, they might chase you down, and they're kind of scary um, and unpredictable, and that's kind of the way the Holy Spirit can work as well. It's not always, you know, cooing and, um, you know, love, lovey-dovey, um, that the Spirit, too, um, is a, a multifaceted character that, that we shouldn't just kind of put in a box and expect everybody to follow. A prayer for the mission of the church from the Book of Common Prayer. Ever-living God, whose will it is that all should come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, inspire our witness to him, that all may know the power of his forgiveness and the hope of his resurrection, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. 
Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.